welcome, welcome. Uh, welcome to It's Confidential. I'm here with Frank Reno. Hello. Hello. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, so um, my name is Frank Reno. Um, I was born in Montreal and I was raised in Windsor, Ontario. Spent a little bit of time in Ottawa as well. I, uh, I actually went to Marlboro Public School in the West End and then I went to Four Star High School. Actually lived across the street from Forster High School in nice. a little greenhouse, 750 Felix. Don't go there and creep on my family, please. <laughs> um, spent five years at Forster, did a, did a victory lap, and uh, spent some time at the University of Windsor. Um, got a degree in kinesiology in the uh, sport management field. Cool. And uh, was very fortunate in those years I played uh, football. Football was kind of like the, uh, what do you want to call it, the... Uh, the carrier, the vessel. Football okay. was really like the vessel for me to do a lot of the things that I was able to do. Um, it took me all over Canada. It's taken me a lot of places and uh, took me to the CFL. I played Canadian football for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They drafted me in 2016. Beautiful. And uh, spent some time playing football for the Hamilton Tiger Cats as well, uh, just a few hours away from here. And uh, yeah, here we are now, kind of uh, after my professional football career. Just living life and building on some dreams that I had as a kid and as an adult and dreams that I have every day and working on those as we speak. Awesome. So I think that a lot of people know you from social media. Mm-hmm. You've kind of the last couple months have kind of blown up in terms of the content that you've been putting out mm-hmm. on Instagram and such. Are you? Do you post anywhere else or is it just Instagram for you? Instagram's like my my tool for what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I do a little bit on Facebook. I'm really doing my best to branch out. I want to give myself as much opportunities as, as I can to do what I'm doing. So I'm finding different ways to put myself out there on different platforms. And so what I'm learning is that each platform has kind of a different niche in, yeah. what, I, in what I can do. For example, YouTube, they're longer videos. You go to YouTube to watch videos. Um, Instagram's kind of like my home base right now. I really work off of Instagram. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just branching out and doing what I can from each platform. Yeah, great. Uh, so what are some of the things that you post? When was your your first, was it an IGTV when you first kind yeah, of Yeah, January with, 3rd. Yeah, there you go. Let's talk about that. Okay. Tell me why you posted it, Yeah. what inspired you to do so, and the things that led up to that point. Okay. Um, so on January 3rd, I actually shared... A very intimate video very brief but just intimate about my struggle with mental health um, how I was suicidal at the end of 2018 and how it carried over into 2019 and I really just talked briefly about the fact that 2019 was a really rough year for me and um, this all kind of came about in a weird karmic and almost like the most perfect way just the way it all worked out um, I wasn't in a very good place for a lot of 2019 and I was really, you know, it was soul searching. I was just trying to figure out like, you know, Frank, you're done playing football professionally. What's going on? Who are you? You know, I feel like a lot of people go through that, you yeah, know, yeah, as, yeah. as men, as women, as athletes, you know, old, young, everybody, we all go through kind of a transition period where we've had an identity for a while and we don't really know who we are, which is okay. It was hard for me in that moment because... I really didn't know who I was. I was, you know, at that time, you know, 26 years old, young, just finished playing football, not sure. But in this moment, 
to get to the point of, you know, end of 2019, I made a commitment to myself that 2020 was going to be a year of change, a year of growth, a year that I was going to commit to me and being my best self and really putting my best foot forward in everything I do. And what I kind of kept coming around to was this idea of the power of now and doing things in the moment. And, you know, I read a book called The Power of Now and it just really, to sum it up, talks about there's so much strength in doing things in the moment. When you do them now, it makes room for other things to happen. Yeah. If you keep prolonging something, you're going to have to do it eventually. You know, like washing the dishes, for example. <laughs> you know, mom says wash the dishes. She's going to keep nagging to wash the dishes. Yeah. If you would have washed them Thursday, it wouldn't be Sunday and you want to hang out. And mm-hmm. now you got to wash the dishes. So just for an example, but, you know, it kind of the, the date that I'll kind of stamp on it was December 2nd. I weighed myself on a scale at F45 in LaSalle and I weighed 232 pounds. And, you know, not too long before that, I really started getting into intermittent fasting. And then on this day, you know, December 2nd, 2019, I stepped on the scale and it said 232 pounds. And it's not really about the number at this point anymore. But in that moment, the number really hurt me because I was probably the heaviest I've ever weighed. And it just, it got to me. And I knew that 2020 was going to be a big year. But it was in that moment that I really made the decision, you know, I was like, Frank, you've been intermittent fasting and you're kind of committed, but like Frank, yeah, you're going to have a great 2020, but why don't you just start now? Yeah. You know, why don't you just, at the end of the day, what do you have to lose if you start now? What are you afraid of? You know, Frank, what are you afraid of? And I realized that what I was really afraid of was this idea that if I started now, I didn't really know what happened. So I was really just afraid of what I didn't know, the f- fear of the unknown. And at that point, I let myself go in terms of, you don't really know what's going to happen, but you know that there's strength and power in starting now, so let's do it. And what's crazy is that three weeks later, I weighed myself on the same scale and I weighed 214 pounds. In three weeks, I lost 18 pounds. And at that point, I finally started to see my physical, my body was starting to match how I felt inside. Because I always felt like I was an animal, but I didn't look in the mirror when I saw myself. I didn't look the way I felt. And I feel like a lot of people have an issue in that disconnect where they feel amazing inside, but they don't look it on the outside. So they lose that connection, right? Like there's that, that loss there. And so I finally started to get more of a connection with myself again. I felt more like myself. Yeah. And it was really at that point. So that was December 23rd. I weighed myself and 214 pounds. And I was like, okay, Frank, okay, we're, we're here. Okay, we're getting started. And that was kind of the beginning of this, um, this great transformation that I, was, that I was going through in growth and, and development, which really, uh, it led me to going through a few things. And I'll share more as we talk about the mental health portion. Um, it really led me to, I was like, okay, Frank, you've always wanted to do this. You've been through a lot. You've talked, you talked about mental health to the people close to you. They know what you're going through. You have some big dreams. You want to, you want to help people with mental health. You want to do all these things. How are you going to help these people? And so I would have these conversations with myself and, you know, I was trying to figure out how am I going to put myself in a position where I can help the most people. 
And what I realized was that, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to be 120% authentic and real. And I just need to be myself and I need to tell my story. And it, it all kind of came to me in a, in a very amazing way that it just, things were just lining up. It just kind of kept working out. And uh, one thing led to the next, and there was a point between December 27th and January 1st where the video that I want, that the video that I shared on January 3rd was for my birthday, mm -hmm. I wanted to do that for a, a, a long time before. For some reason, I just couldn't do it. I don't know why, but I just couldn't. I wanted to do the video, but I couldn't. I'd get in front of the camera, and I couldn't. I'd write stuff down, and I'd record a video and it just didn't seem real it just wasn't like authentic it wasn't it didn't feel right and i was always wondering like why like what's going on you know what i mean like frank like just do it you know just do it and it all kind of came full circle when on january 3rd you know i started you know i was picking up this momentum feeling this great energy doing things and you know i started uh really putting myself out there on social media I hadn't talked about the whole mental health portion yet, but I was just doing my thing. And then it kind of dawned on me in that moment, uh, January 3rd was a big day for me. It was my birthday. It was my 27th birthday. It was a big pivotal moment for me because it was a moment of change. 26 was a very difficult year for me. I went through depression, a very deep depression. I was suicidal. You know, I was in a dark place. And I decided that I was going to commit my year 27 to being the most beautiful year of my life. And by year 27, I mean, you know, that 28th year, but 27, I'm going to commit that to, you know, Frank, you deserve the world. You've been through the, the most you could possibly go through in those 27 years. Here's to going through the best you could ever go through in the next year. You're yeah. going to get everything you deserve. And I made that commitment to myself. And so in that on that day, January 3rd, I'm like, Frank, what better way to hit it off and what better way to get people's attention than on your birthday where everybody's watching you anyways. It's your birthday. And not to say it in a cocky way of like, you know, everybody's watching me, but, you know, people are reaching out. They're saying happy birthday and I appreciate it all and I'm showing love. But it was one of those days where it was it was perfect. You know, I could I could share a message and people would be watching. And so I did it. I was uh, had a couple things going on. It was my birthday. We were just about to go out to go grab some dinner with some friends, you know. And it just it kind of hit me in that moment. I said, "Okay, Frank, right now." And I grabbed my phone and I just recorded a two and a half minute video, and I just spilled my heart and soul out onto the video. I didn't even watch it back. I was just like, you know what? That felt amazing. Let's put it out there and see yeah. what happens. And I'll be honest, there was a part of me that like, I was afraid. I was like, I was nervous. I was scared. And there was a, there was something I'd read at some point is that once you start doing the things that scare you, you start realizing how powerful you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I've been doing a lot of stuff that scared me in the last couple of weeks prior to that moment. So I said, Frank, what's just an, this is just another scary moment. What's the worst that could happen? People don't like it. If they don't like it, too bad, Frank. You figure it out and you keep going. Because that's what I've always done. Figured it out and kept going. And so I posted the video. And the feedback that I received from that video was ridiculous in the best way. Just like 
you know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to brag. It was just the amount of people reaching out, you know, Frank, I love you, support you and this and that. And that was amazing. And I love it. The support means the world to me. Um, it was really what meant a lot to me was the people who didn't show love on the post per se, but the people that messaged me personally and were telling me things like, Frank, I, I didn't even know that's what you're going through. I, how could I have known? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I didn't realize that what I exuded was this, you know, and these, these people were telling me, you know, you exude this confidence and you exude this, this strength. I didn't know this is what you were going through behind the scene. You know, I'd spent so much time with people and they'd see me. Little did they know that I'm going through depression and I was suicidal and I'm battling all of these things by myself. And they had no clue. And I didn't even realize how guilty it can make some people feel to know that somebody right under their nose is suffering and they don't know. And, and another thing that really, you know, warmed my heart was the people who reached out to me and they said, Frank, because you told your story, that saved me. Yeah. <clears throat> my whole goal really, in what I'm doing, my goal was to save one person or to help one person or like even just maybe spark something in one person. And I'm like, all right, we're done with that. But... You know, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop, but it just means like, wow, you accomplish your goal of one person. Okay, Frank, let's think bigger now. Let's get to a million. Why not a million people? And you're going to hear that, you know, and say, well, Frank, you can't change the world. And it's, you know, my goal isn't to change the world, but my goal is to change the people around me or help them become their best self and do it in a fashion that I know I can contribute to. And what I know I can contribute to is the mental health side of things. I know that's what I have experience in. I might not have a degree in it, but I have a lifetime in it. And I feel like 27 years goes a long way. You yeah. know what I mean? You can't put a degree on that, <laughs> you know? And uh, I just, I, it was so heartwarming to kind of go through that and be vulnerable and have fear of judgment. And then for people to respond to you and say, I support you and I'm here for you. And you're popular. No kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna turn off. And for people to reach out to me and say, like, not only do I support you, but what you're sharing has impacted me in the best way. Yeah. Being somebody, and and again, I didn't realize it in the moment, you know, but my journey of going through two major knee surgeries, to playing professional football, all these things that I did that I would just do because I love what I do. A lot of people, you know, brought me to the realization that, you know, it's incredible. And and I would never pat myself on the back for making it to the CFL. Matter of fact, I was ashamed because all I could think about when it came to the CFL was the fact that I didn't accomplish my ultimate goals in the CFL, you know? And I feel like that's a big issue in the world today is that we don't pat ourselves on the back enough for all the amazing things we do and did. We beat ourselves up for all the things we didn't do. Yeah. And that's a major issue. And that's something that I'm very, very, very focused on with myself that I need to stop being so hard on myself. 
you know, my, my parents, my mom and my grandma always say, nobody gives you a book on life. So if nobody gives you a book on life, what's to say that you're going to be perfect? You know, there's no right or wrong way to do anything. You just do what's best for you. If it works out, that's amazing. If it doesn't, it's another lesson. So once I really started taking the pressure off of myself and once I really stopped putting myself in a position where I was beating myself up, like, hey, Frank, you're already getting beat up by other people. You can't be adding to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to honor yourself, right? Honor yourself. And honor your small accomplishments and the things that are getting you to where you are and where you want to be or maybe not where you planned to be Mm -hmm. right but you're still honoring yourself for what you have done for yourself and that's so important for us to all remember even if it's small things like i made i recorded an episode the other day uh just talking about how i had a shitty yoga practice and it just i couldn't get myself into it and then the day after i had the like one of the best yoga practices you know like it's just i was so like at that point like just stuck and like fuck like why can't i do what I want to do, but yeah. then the next day it's like done. It's like bam, you're you're, you're amazing, exactly. you're amazing for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And at least for me, comparing yourselves to others gets like why would you compare yourself to someone else? Because you are not them. Exactly. Like <laughs> I'm like looking at people online and the other people in the yoga class and like oh they can they're so good at this and I'm so bad, but I'm not bad. I'm. I have a set level of what I can do and what I've right learned now. Yeah. right now. Yeah. They may have practiced more or practiced mm-hmm. longer or just have, they're just better at it in that sense. Yeah. But for me, I'm doing great for what I'm doing. I'm doing great Absolutely. for me. Clap for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Don't kill me. Like, you know, I w- there's a couple of things that I'll say to that. And one of them is that, you know, you are as great as you can be up to this moment and that means you can become greater moving forward yes you know what i mean and so that's to say that like i know everything i can up to this point but it doesn't mean i can't learn more exactly you know what i mean and like you're gonna you're gonna grow you're gonna get better and things are gonna be okay as long as you allow yourself to be open to the fact that you're not an expert ever and if you ever get to the point where you feel satisfied like you know you know everything then you're obviously in a position where you you need to be humbled a little bit because if you feel like you know everything there's no way because to know everything is to say that you're perfect and you can't be perfect yeah there's no way you can be perfect so it's kind of one of those things that it's a beautiful thing to know forever that you can't be perfect, but it's not about perfection. And that's the way I live my life. Absolutely, I want to be perfect, but I know I can't be. It's about what I'm learning in my pursuit of perfection. You know, the habits that I formed when I played football professionally, the way I went about my practice, the way I went about my business, my goal was always to be as good as I could be. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I do footwork, my goal is to be perfect. I was never really perfect the whole time, but I got as close to it as I could. And when I'd master a technique, that didn't mean I was done. It just meant that, okay, what's the next technique I can learn to mm-hmm. get better? 
And then when I would get better at this, okay, what's next? What's next? There's always something, you know. And uh, and again, it to to get to that point, you know, you said about the yoga and how you had one day that was poor and then the next day you rebounded. I always tell myself, okay, Frank, so you have an expectation, you want to go in and, for example, you want to go do yoga. It wasn't a good day today. But it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond. So a lot of people will be faced with adversity, a bad yoga day, a car crash, their girlfriend, boyfriend breaks up with them, something bad happens, and you just don't know how to handle it. Are you just going to quit and give up and shut down? Or are you going to respond, maybe even take a step back to analyze the situation as I feel we all should analyze and then keep going? Because the moment you quit is a moment that you eliminate any possibility of anything amazing happening afterwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could have quit when I tore my ACL twice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, when we talk about quitting, I could have quit in terms of just shut down my my positive energy. I could have said, you know, ah, you know, I'm good with football when I tore my ACL the first time. But I'll never forget the moment it happened. When I was laying there on the ground, feeling like my whole life came crashing down, I knew something bad happened. But I did make a promise to myself in that moment. I said, Frank, you're gonna come back from this. You don't know what just happened. You know it's bad. You don't know what just happened, but you're gonna be amazing because of this. This is gonna make you, not break you. And for that reason, it really did make me. It put me in a position where I had to fight. And I'm very proud to say that after six months of recovery, where it's not very common for people to come back from an ACL injury six months post, I came back and I was thriving after six months. Like I, I could play in six months. Yeah. And it was really amazing that after having this, it was an East-West Bowl. It was an all-star game for your third-year players. I tore my ACL in the fourth quarter. I had an amazing game. I had an amazing week, you know. I didn't do the combine. In the combine, you know, you do the testing for the draft. I didn't do the combine in 2016. I got drafted. And, you know, I would beat myself up. Like, Frank, you got drafted in the eighth round. Like, I would beat myself up for it. Hmm. Frank, no. Clap for yourself. Yeah, you got drafted. You got drafted, <laughs> period. There's a whole bunch of people who didn't get drafted. You got drafted, and you didn't even go to the combine. So this is one of those things that I talk about when I talk about mental health and stuff and you have to be able to clap for yourself. Like, it's okay, you know? And I feel like we're in a society where people get made to feel ashamed of the fact that they are proud of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, you're allowed to be proud and, 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 and root for yourself. It's okay, you know? There is that fine line between cocky and confident, but Absolutely, yeah. you deserve to be confident in your hard work. Yeah. I find that the difference between cocky and confidence is confidence is knowing you worked hard and deserve something and cocky is not really being sure but you bark anyway mm. just to make it seem it's, it's almost like an illusion you know what I mean and and like I said it's not what happens to you it's how you respond so all of these incredibly difficult challenges that happened to me I could have gave up I could have given up and I could have quit but I didn't and all those things have made me who I am. And all those things make you who you are. And all of these beautiful things that happen to you and every person who's going to listen to this and every person who lives their life, all of these amazing challenges that happen to you, they will make or break you. 
and that is completely your choice. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's your choice. And that's what being 120% is, right? Mm-hmm. To you, that's what that means to you, just putting in your all. Everything. Yeah. And, you know, I really came about this 120. I, I can't recall the moment when it was like 120. Yeah, I was like, what is... I, I DM'd him, like, what is 120? Yeah, like, yeah, What the fuck is 120? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so... I didn't, I didn't know it would kind of get to this point of, like, I am, you know, people say Mr. 120, or, you know, like, this yeah. is what I've really identified myself with, but I was really, you know, there's this energy we talk about, and this energy that I had really harnessed to become a professional football player, not to mention I was also in cadets from 12 years old until 19. I was a very successful cadet. I was, you know, I won a national award for music. I went, I was very, very fortunate. You know, cadets took me all over Canada. I went from Halifax, spent three weeks there, played in the Halifax Tattoo. It's like a big concert. Did that for three weeks. Came home for two days and I flew out to Banff, Alberta and spent six weeks in Banff, Alberta. Wow. So I spent nine weeks outside of the home and you know what I mean and as you hear more about my story I'm very thankful for everything I went through but that home environment for me was wasn't very healthy and I'm very thankful for all these opportunities I had because they took me out of there helped me see the world and really opened my perspective to the fact that there's a lot more going on than just what that small city is that you live in yeah you so do you I mean? want to yeah for sure do you want to talk about back your background like growing up or yeah yeah for sure so um I really you know I grew up in a home it was a small home there was it was a two-bedroom house. There were six of us, so there was four kids and, and, you know, my mom and my stepdad. And they, you know, they did everything they could for us and they did their best to support us. Uh, but it wasn't easy, you know. And uh, there, was a, there was a large period of time where there was four of us sharing one bedroom. And the bedroom was not big. We had a, we had a what is it, the bunk bed? Mm-hmm. We had a bunk yeah. bed. And my brother and I shared either the top or the bottom, and my sister shared the the other half. You know what I mean? And um, in the moment, you don't really realize it because you don't know anything yeah, else, it's right? Like reality, right? Yeah, that's that's what it is. So you don't question it. And then you know, as I kind of went through the years, and I was very fortunate to have the opportunities I had. And my first year of university, I was. Uh, I finally had a bed of my own for the first time, I think, since I was eight years old. Mm. From the time I was eight until the time I was 19, 20 years old, I was sharing a bed with somebody. Whether it was a single, whether it was a double, whether it was whatever, I was sharing a bed. But yeah, we you know, it was a two-bedroom house, a very small house right in front of Forster High School. And uh, we, had, we ended up moving around a bit. You know, like I said, my parents did everything they could. They tried to put us in the best position to succeed as much as they could and you know it just it happened everything happened the way it did and I'm thankful for it because it built me up to be who I am and so at one point you know we were there from when there was all four of us it was grade I want to say grade eight but grade eight grade seven grade eight until high school was pretty much done but there was a moment in there in grade 10 where we had moved to the east end 
we moved to the East End and and this is where the story is beautiful because you know we moved to the East End and we were now in a house that was bigger for all of us mm-hmm. um, and again this is just like the cool part about my story is that I was sharing again I was sharing a, a bed with my brother but all we had in the room the room was the size of a shoebox and all we had in the room was a pull-out mattress like a futon couch and a wardrobe that my brother and I put our clothes in we had a closet to put our clothes in so it was literally a closet a wardrobe and the futon mattress nothing else there was one light in the room with the switch there was no windows in the room it was just that we had a tv in there that my brother and I played video games on and that was it and um you know, there was two other big bedrooms. So there's total three rooms. My brother and I, you know, seeming, you know, I, looking back, it was kind of like the men just kind of handled the toughest part, which I felt was okay. tough. We had no windows. It was yeah. weird. We were just in the dark all the time. And, um, you know, my sisters, my stepsisters had one of the bedrooms and my, my parents had the other bedroom. And, uh, yes, yeah, so we lived there for a year. But the beautiful part about this is that I was, you know, I was a little fed up with my high school. I was in grade nine at the time, going into grade 10. I really felt alone. I didn't really feel like I had many friends at all. I spent a lot of time alone. And this is the power of my story is that I spent a lot of time alone in my life. And what that really allowed me to become is a very independent person. And, you know, I don't say it to brag, but I just say because that's what I did. And people will say, well, we always saw you. And it's, yeah, you saw me, but... When I say I was alone, you know, I was alone in my head. I was, and you know, to all the people dealing with depression and these mental health issues, you know what that feels like when you're alone. You're alone in a room full of people. Absolutely. You're alone. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people around us do feel alone and they don't say anything because the last thing somebody with a mental health issue wants to do is burden somebody else with their problems. That's the last thing you want to do, you know? And uh, like I said, it was, I was very thankful because everything led me right back to Forster High School. So I was really hoping to transfer to another school closer mm-hmm. to where I was, where we moved to because I wanted it to be easier. I wanted to get away. I wanted to start fresh, kind of like create a new identity almost, yeah. you know. I felt really alone at Forster as much as, you know, I had people that I hung out with. I just I wanted to try it, you know, get away. And everything, long story short, led me to um, going back to the University of Windsor Letty Library, and a football coach was there, one of my football coaches. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm this 13, 14-year-old kid. And he's like, what are you doing here? Oh, you know, I'm trying to get information for transfer papers, transfer to Riverside. And he's like, what? His name's Jamie, by the way. If he ever hears this, that'd be pretty cool. You know what I mean? Just so he knows he was a part of this story. Hey, because Jamie. hey Jamie <laughs> you know he was a big like bodybuilder like a monster it was crazy and um, he's like why and I was like well because whatever I said at the time and he's like stay at Forster you know and I was like why and he said you know you're gonna be okay you stay at Forster you play football you're gonna be okay and whether or not he knows it but like that was huge for me because for being for going through what I went through, I always felt like I wasn't very valued and I felt alone, you know, in a home where, to be honest, the parents were very preoccupied with providing. They were very stressed out. And now that I'm older, I get it. You yeah. know, they were, you know, 
they had four kids in the house and they were trying to provide for them. That was their main focus. So it was very hard for them to provide other things for us. And, you know, there's give and take with everything in life. And I'm not resent, I'm not, you know, bashing them. It's just, that's what it is. I see that now and I understand. And uh, it just, it meant a lot to me for somebody to say that, like, I have value. Yeah. You know what I mean? It meant a lot to be a young kid with no guidance at all, to be told that I'm valuable. It meant a lot. And so, you know, at that point I said, okay, I'm going to say. And for that grade 10 year to be able to play football, little did I know was going to be the biggest blessing of my life. So was that your first time? That was my first okay. time playing football in grade 10. Ever? Or did you Ever. do it? Okay, wow. Okay. Ever. And I, uh, it was a very tough year for me. You know what I mean? I, uh, I was busing back and forth from school mm -hmm. at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, because you're so far. Yeah, I was taking an hour bus, but I was doing that because I was in band class. Okay. At seven o'clock in the morning. So I was doing all of these things. I love music. Music yeah. was a way for me to get away a little bit. It was an escape. In the same way that video games was an escape for me. Yeah. It was it was an escape. I got to get away from my, you know, at the time, like a very shitty, tough reality for mm -hmm. me. I was able to get away from that and get into another world. And music was another world. I listen to music a lot now. It allows me to be calm. It gets me through a lot of stuff. And I feel like it's the same for a lot of people. Music is very powerful a lot of people yeah a lot of special moments get attached to music you hear a song you go back to that moment right yeah and so i did music and uh i was in a position where i did the music and you know i'd practice football after school and i just kind of you know I, I i i found my little my little place i was playing football i was you know happier and it was football was great for me at the time, I didn't realize how great it was, but you know, it was a way for me to let go a little bit. Yeah, I got to go out there and hit somebody. I had a lot of anger. I was pissed off. Yeah, for whatever reason at the time, you know, and I got to hit people and just let it out. And looking back, I spoke to one of my high school teachers, uh, Brian Uworski, and he he always tells me about this one time where we were doing like an Oki drill or something. And I lined up a linebacker and I like smacked somebody and, he, you know, him and the coach, they're like, whoa, like, okay, you know, and this was, you know, his words. And it's one of those things I like, it's crazy what happens in life, but I, I'm a believer everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I'm a believer that Jamie was there for a reason. And in my life, maybe he was there to guide me back to Forrester and everything kind of worked out in the best because eventually we moved to another home and in grade 11, we moved to a home closer to Forrester. And then in grade 12, we ended up moving back to the same home that we we're in in the first place. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Crazy. But at that point, you know, three years down the road, we're older, we're, you know, the girls need privacy. Yeah. So I was in a place where my brother and I were sleeping on a futon on the floor in the living room and in the back room. And uh, at the time, it was just status quo. Like, you know, my brother and I were just used to it at this point. That's mm -hmm. what we're doing, yeah. you know? So we never questioned it and I never, you know, I never thought anything bad of it. That's just what it was. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and again, I need to, I need to reiterate, you know, say again that I'm not bashing anybody. This is just my story. So I just want to make that clear. You know, I'm not upset and I've been very clear with my family that it's not about bashing anybody. It's about, this is, this is very powerful and it's a great message to share because it's going to help people. Yeah. It's, it's ultimately what makes you who you are, right? Exactly. It's, it's your story. It's your experience. Exactly. What you've been through. So it has a lot of validity. Absolutely. And I'm thankful for it because it shows people, there's going to be a lot of people that hear this, that grew up in the West side 
that they'll realize that, wow, I'm not alone. Yeah. And I don't know everybody's situation, but I know that there's definitely some people who have gone through or are currently going through something similar to what I'm going through. Oh, for sure. Not to say that every story is the same. Even you saying you, like, not having your own bed until 20, was it 20 years old? Something like that? Yeah, 1920. Like, I couldn't, me, like, I've had my own own bed my whole life, and I couldn't even imagine, like, just taking that, like, now I'm like, I, I take that opportunity for granted. Like my whole life mm-hmm. being not having to worry about, or like not even worry, but just like my whole life of like having my own bed and just thinking, yeah, obviously I have my own bed, right? You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? and it's funny, yeah, it's like it's just one of those things. It's like you don't really know because you never, and that's the that's the beautiful thing about what I'm doing is I'm trying to continue to share with people that you don't know what somebody's going through. Exactly, like you going through what you, you've gone through in mm-hmm. terms of your mental health, like you said, no one knew because you exert this confidence and you have this energy to you, right? No one knows. You don't know. You, ha- you have to speak it out. Yes, and that's where, you know, with that being said, I'll share that when it comes to mental health, the power is very much so in your hands. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah. And it was probably the hardest thing for me to do to be vulnerable. But every time that I asked for help, I received all the help I needed. Yeah, people people want to help you. Like, I am a firm believer in yeah. like society and people and humanity and are, are good. And We're all helpers. They're, they're great. And people want to help other people and lift other people up. But how are they going to do that if they don't know? If or they, if they don't if know. If you're just yeah. doing your own thing and... Yeah, it's so uncomfortable to ask, oh, yeah. but like I'm, I, I've talked about in the past, just like th- there's a point where you have to start finding comfort in discomfort. Yes. And that's how you grow and that's how you move on. Absolutely. And you know, I'll share like, I feel like this piece is really going to resonate with a lot of kids. I had one of the most stressful periods of time in high school because of credit card debt. I had a $1,000 credit card. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed like 1000 because we're like... I wish I had... Yeah, I wish I had $1,000 in debt. You know what I mean? Like, there was a point in time where I was losing hair because I was stressed out yeah. over $1,000 to $2,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. I was genuinely like stressed all the time until one day I confessed to my mother that I was in debt. With $2,000. And looking back now, I'm dying laughing. Like, looking back, my mom literally looked at me and lost it. Like, Frank, are you crazy? You have $2,000 in debt? You want to trade? And I'm like, what? She's like, Frank, I have. Like, are you kidding me? Do you even want to know what I got going on? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it, it just... Well, that was a that was one of those moments where like the amount of stress that was relieved off of me, you know. And as I continue to talk about mental health and stuff and stress, is it's almost like this invisible weighted vest, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, immediately I felt the stress relief because she's like, "Frank, you're gonna be okay." But I was killing myself over this debt, this debt, this damn debt, like two thousand dollars. I would beg to have two thousand dollars in debt right now <laughs> yeah. compared to what I have. But that's that's the the. The beautiful thing about life is that when you just share and you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you get the help you need. As men, it's very tough because we do have a very large issue in the world when it comes to men. Yes. We don't talk. Yeah. Men, what do we do with men from the very young age, the very tender age of one and two, when something happens and you get hurt? Man up. Man up. up. 
Be a man. You're okay. Suck it up. Don't cry. You're good. You're okay. And I'm not bashing, but what do we do with our young daughters and the young girls? It's okay, honey. I'm here for you. Please let me know what's going on. It's okay to cry. And that's not bashing. That's just what happens. We all do it. We're in a world where we're programmed, right? We are programmed to make men fend for themselves and and coddle women. And that is very toxic because we are raising men who are guarded and they don't want to share anything because they've always learned that they have to handle it by themselves. They've always learned that they can't talk about their feelings. They can't be emotional. They can't be vulnerable. And we've been taught that men have to be the rock all the time. Yeah. Figuratively and, you know, quite literally when they say that you got to be the tough guy all the time. And we, we've built a culture of very, very vulnerable men who don't even realize how vulnerable they are, but it's okay to be vulnerable, you know? And again, what I've learned is that the more I've allowed myself to be vulnerable, the more help I've received and the more powerful I've felt. Because now I'm in a position where if I need anything, why would I stress myself out? Yeah, just ask for it. Ask for help. And at the end of the day, if I don't get the help I need, Maybe I just didn't need the help at the time. Or maybe it wasn't the right person. Yeah. Or maybe it just wasn't the right time. But at the end of the day, it'll happen at the perfect time. 100%. You know? 120%. Yeah, 120. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's just like, especially when it comes to mental health, I definitely, my goal is to help as many men and women as I can Yeah. in the mental health. My goal is to help as many men as I can learn that, it's okay not to be okay as a man. Yeah. It's okay. It's very hard to let go of that. Man, I'm the man of the house. I'm the tough guy. I got a man up all the time. I, I, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, you're human. You're human. You have emotions. Yes. Whether like, you want to admit it or not. Yeah. And it's okay. And I'll share that. There was a point where I cried for the first time in like a year. At a therapy session with my therapist who, you know, she fought, we, it took us about a month and a half to get to this point where, you know, she asked me a question. She said, how did this make you feel? And I didn't even, I didn't even know how to handle it. Just, you know, these emotions came up and I started crying and she's like, and you know, I was trying to like hold it back. You yeah. know, I'm trying to man up, and, you know, doing the whole sucking thing and, yeah. you know, trying to hold it back. And she said, no, no, no. Like. Let yourself feel that. You haven't done that in a long time, have you? I'm like, no. You know, and I'm crying and it's all emotional. And she's like, it's okay. You're allowed to feel. You're going to be okay. You know, and I felt. And I felt sadness. And, you know, I was, it brought me back to a moment in time where, you know, what I ended up saying was somebody finally believed in me in that moment. Yeah. Somebody, you know, gave me the vision that I could make it. At the time, it was a teacher, you know, Brian Jaworski. He said to me, you're going to be a big fat offensive lineman someday. You're going to make it to the CFL. You know, they, they said these little things that to them it was just like a a little joke. But to me, that was everything. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, and that was kind of a breakthrough moment for me because, you know, when we talk about mental health and stuff and, and you'll discover through experience for the people listening that when you allow those emotions to come up and you feel it unlocks something inside of you you didn't even know you were missing. Because I'll never forget that in that moment when I cried, it opened up memories I didn't know I had. Exactly, yeah. I had memories that I forgot. And 
what we'll find out and what we're learning is that mental health and depression zaps your memory. It zaps your memory because, and this is my opinion, it zaps your memory because it causes you to shut down. It causes you to go in defense mode, survival mode, and all you want to do is just survive and get by. And by any means necessary, your brain protects you by protecting you from those memories of emotion, bad and good. So all those moments that made you feel awful, your brain will protect you from. But your brain will also protect you from those memories that made you feel good. It, like you can't get, you know, you can't just forget the bad and not the good. Yeah. Or the good and not the bad, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Mean? Like having experienced like moments of depression, like I get what you mean. You yeah. just kind of like feel nothing. Numb. And I'll share that the feeling that I've had many, many times, not to say that it won't come back or it won't, yeah. you know, it never I mean, will. You don't know. It's, it's a roller coaster, yes. right? Yes. And so that's what kind of life is, you know. Life is a series of ups and downs, just kind of like the heart rate thing, you know. If if there's no ups and downs in your life, you're dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you see the heart rate monitor? Yeah. When the heart rate monitor isn't going anywhere, what's going on? You know what I mean? And so what I really realize and what I live in now is what I realize is on those low days, I'm like, you know what, Frank, you've been here before or you're going to be okay because you know after every low comes a great high. Mm -hmm. And after every high, I always remind myself now that I can't get too high because at the end of the day, you're going to come back down a little bit. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm very self-aware and I'm monitoring myself all the time as I go through life on these highs and lows yeah. because it's okay to feel very high. It's okay to feel very low. It's not okay, though, to live in the low or to live in the high. Yeah. You really have to find that balance, that common ground. And that's what I'm very aware of. And I do my best to find myself in that middle ground as much as possible. And that's kind of where I live now. Yeah. Not to say that it won't go anywhere else in between, but I'm very aware as much as I can be to that. So I do my best to make sure that it doesn't get too out of control. And that's where, like, you know, before the show, we were just talking and I caught myself getting excited and I started talking a little bit faster and I checked myself. I'm like, okay, breathe, <laughs> slow yeah. down. You're okay. In the same way that there's some days where I just can't do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I'm laying on the couch. I'm low energy. I don't feel the greatest. Those are the moments where I need to be my, my I need to be my hero. Yeah. Frank, you're feeling a little low right now. Nobody's going to save you, but maybe let's start with, I have, I have a series of steps that I go through. Okay checklist did you brush your teeth did you wash your face did you put coconut oil on your hair shout out coconut oil i love coconut <laughs> oil you know did you do all of these things that you love to do if you didn't you need to do that if you don't feel great after doing all of those things okay then we can go from there yeah but if i'm being honest after i do one to ten things Oh, I, there it is. Oh, Frank. Oh, you're back. Yeah. And I'll look in the mirror. I'm like, oh, coconut oil? Whew. Okay, I'm feeling good. Okay, watch your face. And then for me, I'm like checking myself. Oh, okay, my beard's... And you see how that like, you can already feel the momentum starting to build? It's like, oh, I can do this and this. And for me, I have a routine. And when it comes to your mental health, and this is for everybody, whether you've been diagnosed with a mental illness or not, mental health, find a routine that works for you. There's no one routine. There's something that works for you. For me, I get up and I chill out. I do my thing. I brush my teeth. I wash my face. I take all my vitamins. I literally take 300 because that's what makes me happy. Yeah. 
I say that not to boast. I say that to let you know that's what makes me happy. But what's your recipe? Whatever works for you works for you. It makes you feel good. If your recipe is getting up in the morning and having a cigarette, go do your thing. Have a cigarette. I'm not going to judge you yeah. for it. I mean, I don't I don't promote cigarettes. I, I don't think they're good for you. But if that's what you need to do, do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever works for you. If you wake up in the morning and you want to have oatmeal shake or how do you say this? Kombucha? Kombucha. Kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> Which tastes amazing. Do that. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things in life is that I feel like we're in a place where we, we judge other people too much. And we're so hard on ourselves. So it's that like constant negative feedback loop. We're hard feedback loop. We're hard on ourselves. We're hard on everybody else. So knowing that everybody's trying to protect themselves, yeah. so we're just in like this constant loop of like, I'm attacking you. I'm defending myself. I know they're coming at me. He's coming at me. Everybody's coming at me all the time. So we're always defensive. We close up. We never allow ourselves to be vulnerable. It's just this. You know, this nasty cycle and social media doesn't help because now we're in a place where people have taken social media, which was used to help us or created to help us connect. And they've used it to help us compare. Mm -hmm. You look on social media and you'll see one of your friends is in Barbados and you're like, oh, well, I wish I were there right now. Yeah. You know, but like, hey, man, you're not. It's okay. You can be, but you're not right now. You're here. So just be here. Appreciate that they're there. Be happy for them. Clap for them. But you're here and that's okay. But what people do is they'll see that and they'll be like, I'm not there. So I'm worthless. But like, no, no, no. You're still valuable. You're just not in Barbados right now. That's okay. But here's the thing. If you want to be in Barbados, you know, I challenge people. Like, if you want to lose weight, if you want to do anything, what steps are you taking to achieve those goals? So if you want to go to Barbados, are you saving money? Or are you going out drinking every weekend? Are yeah. you watching your spending? Are you budgeting? Or if you want to lose weight, are you exercising regularly? Are you taking vitamins to take care of yourself? Are you eating healthy foods? Like there's there's all these ways for you to get anything you'd like in life. It's just whether or not you're willing to do the little bit of hard work. Yeah, you know definitely. what I mean? I like the way you look at that. Like it, being, being jealous or having some feelings towards something or something, someone, sorry, and then coming back with the, well, what are you doing to do whatever you want to do? Yeah. Why? And you it could like, be in Barbados if you want to be in Barbados. Absolutely. And that's where I stopped, you know, <clears throat> I stopped scrolling on social media and I'm human. Sometimes I scroll on social media, but I don't beat myself up for it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I notice, you know, when I scroll and I'll catch myself, oh, they're in Barbados or they're in Miami or I say Barbados a lot because that's like. I that's need to place. go there. That, you know, I've never been there yet, but that's in my mind. It's like, okay, I'm going to be chilling in Barbados on New Year's, so let's work at it. You know what I mean? But if I see somebody in Miami and I feel like I'd like to go there, it's not, oh, I, you know, I'm not there, so I'm not valuable. It's, okay, how can I, what are the steps I can take to put myself in a position to get to Barbados or get to Miami? Just like all of my goals in life are massive, I wonder... Rather, or rather than thinking I can't attain those goals because somebody else did it or this and that and, you know, it's not possible. I think, okay, you have these incredible goals, Frank. What are the steps you're going to take to make them a reality? How are you going to turn your dreams into a reality? Because at the end of the day, you know you can do anything. Yeah. You've been through a lot. You've overcome it all. Let's go get it. And that's really what brings us back around to this idea of the 120 mentality. 
I always went above and beyond. And I didn't even realize I did. I was just doing it. Yeah, I mean, but, being a grade 10 or whatever you were, going, busing to school at 5.30 in the morning to yeah. do your music, and then staying late to do your football, then busing yeah. back home. Like, that's way more than, like, a lot of kids that age can say for themselves, right? I know there's definitely kids that do it. Yeah. But... It, and it's like not a so comparison. Much. It's just yeah. like saying, like, this is my story, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I was living it, and I didn't realize that I was doing above and beyond what maybe, I don't want to say the average to compare, but, like, maybe what the average grade 10 was doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of grade 10-year-olds were probably getting up at 8 o'clock, going yeah. to school for 8.45, going home at 2.30, 3 o'clock, playing video games all night. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad made food, and they go to bed. Like, I don't know, yeah, but, yeah. like, I'm just, you know, for no, example, yeah, yeah. we don't know what the average is. Um but, you know, this 120 mentality, and as I was really looking to define my, you know, I'm becoming 27, what's 2020 going to be about? It just kind of, like, came out of my mouth, like, 120%. 120% effort in everything you do. I gave 120% effort in cadets. I always went above and beyond. I won national awards. I achieved the highest rank. I did everything I possibly could in what I loved. Football, you know. I became... A great athlete and again i need to clarify these are things that are confirmed based on the awards i won you know what i mean like you know i don't i just need to clarify i'm not trying to like boost too much but you know i would play the ravens football essex ravens you know shout out coach mills and the whole team there i had an amazing opportunity to go to north carolina in 2000 uh 2010 and it's funny because again everything happens for a reason so i went with the receivers i was a wide receiver at the time couldn't catch a ball to save my life <laughs> but it was funny because when we were practicing i was so in awe looking at the linebackers like i, I was just like that's me i just yeah. felt it i was like that's me so we were there for four days and it all worked out that you know after the four days i was very fortunate but here's the thing it costed 500 dollars to go i'm a broke student mm-hmm. so i started asking for help i went to my teachers in high school and i said hey i gotta raise 500 can you help me one thing led to the next i got the money when you ask for help people will help you you know and not that i expected it i was just very thankful that you know they got me help but after that 2010 you know north carolina trip i was like okay frank you know i played football for a couple years i went to north carolina okay frank this is it you're gonna be a linebacker you know, I made that, like, switch. I was like, I'm going to be a linebacker. Sorry, I'll never forget. <laughs> like, it's just funny. I call Coach Mills, and, like, I shout him out now in, like, the best way. But I'll always bring us back to that that moment when I called him, and I was like, hey, Coach Mills, you know, um, I want to come play linebacker for the Essence Ravens. And I'll never forget. He's like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was pissed. I'm yeah. like, okay, all right, cool. Whatever. So I went to work. And January 1st, 2011, I just went in the gym and I grinded and I put in work and I went for four months. And prior to that, I was very depressed. And if I'm not mistaken, you know, thinking back, I'm pretty sure I was smoking weed, just being, you know, just not doing anything. And I made a commitment January 1st. I'm like, I'm done smoking weed for now. I'm going to go get this. Whatever it is, I'm going for, I'm going for it. One thing led to the next. And in 2011, I gained like 15, 20 pounds of muscle. And I will never forget the look on Coach Mill's face. When I walk into the, the building there, at, that was like Sunset uh, Public School or something where the Essex Ravens kind of practiced and it was their facility there. Like, so funny. Like, his jaw was like dropped. <laughs> Eyes seemingly like popped out of his head. 
and I, you know, I remember the sight, you know, of like them just being in awe, and I just remember them being like, it was all, it was weird in the best way of like, okay, Frank, what do you need? Let's get you some shoulder pads and help, and like the whole bit, it was, it was just so weird how it just kind of like, you know. I didn't know. I was just kind of going with the flow, and mm-hmm. we had the practice, and we started doing little practices and stuff, and I was just going with the flow. And again, you know, I was just going with the flow, just doing my thing, and one thing led to the next, and, you know, I went to my high school coach because I was like, hey, coach, you know, um, I'm going to, you know, try and do what I can on defense and stuff. And my coach, Brian Uworski at the time, he's like, Frank, you know, just work on trying to get on one or two specials for the year. And I'm like, coach, like, the Ravens coach said I'm going to start on defense. And he's like, what? You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know. I was just, you know, I was just doing my thing. And little did I know that that effort that I put out, 120%, put me in a position where in my first year of playing competitive summer football, I was starting. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of going. And, you know, we had a we had a pretty solid season. And 2011 was great for me um, to learn the game. It was rough, though. We lost in the first round of the playoffs in the fourth overtime. It was very, very tough for the team. And I really, I put a lot of that on my shoulders because there was a penalty. I roughed the passer, roughed the quarterback. And I felt like a big reason why we lost that game was because of me. But here's the thing. It's not what happens to you. It's how you respond. So I didn't take that, internalize it, and beat myself up for it. As much as I took that, internalized it, and empowered myself to say, Frank, 2012 is that year let's go get it so 2012 pulls up and i made a commitment january 1st i went back into this little depression funk you know 2011 into 2011 you know i wasn't doing well i was depressed again smoking weed just not doing well and then again okay january 1st 2012 let's do this and i committed to being the best athlete i could be and everything worked out in my best favor but this was the toughest year i think i would have had in that in that stretch because I was in grade 13. I needed to go to university. So I was taking university classes to get into kinesiology. I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go train with the University Lancer football team from 5.30 till 7.30. From eight o'clock until 2.30, three o'clock, I was at high school trying to get these grades to go to university. I was also the prime minister in high school and then I was very fortunate. I had the opportunity to get a job. One of my first jobs, shout out Emerson Alvarez. He was a kitchen manager at 16 years old of a restaurant. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And I was very fortunate because he gave me an opportunity to work in the kitchen with him. And he said, Frank, just work and we'll get you all the hours. I don't know where that money went, but I'm very thankful for that opportunity because Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday in this time, Monday to Thursday, I was working from 5.30 p.m. until 12 p.m. every day. Friday, 5.30 p.m. until 2.30 a.m. Saturday, 10 a.m. until 2.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. until 11 p.m. I was doing that every week for like four months. And then, you know, okay, Frank, what were you doing from 3 o'clock until 5.30? I was at wrestling practice. So it went football, 5.30 to 7.30. School, 8 o'clock until 2.30. Um, wrestling, 3 o'clock till 5.30 and, or 5 o'clock, whatever it was. And then work, 5.30 until 11.12. Wow. I did all of that taking the bus. I did all of that 
no clue that everything I was doing was going to lead me to the next amazing part of my life. And, and that's the thing. I just, I did it. I didn't, like, I just didn't doubt it. I just had faith. I just kept going, you know? And I kept going. And one thing led to the next. And I had these amazing opportunities, you know? And there was a teacher, Jim McDougall, who had a connection. And we started talking about things. And I had opportunities to be to be helped in my pursuit of everything, you know? And for the first time in my life, when I went to school, I had my own bed because of these opportunities. The hard work I put in for those six months, you know, came back around. And, you know, going into that summer of 2012, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the best defensive player in the league. And sure enough, I had the best season I could have possibly had. I had 15 and a half sacks, you know what I mean? It's very unfortunate, you know, our team didn't win the championship and like, don't get it twisted. Like, I want to win a championship. You know what I mean? I would, I want to win a championship badly. But, you know, when looking back, I can't change anything. But I can reflect on what happened. And, you know, I was very, I was one sack short of tying the, the league sack record. And I was one and a half sacks short of breaking it. I got those sacks in six games out of eight. The two games our team lost in the regular season, I didn't have a sack. So that's this, you know, in reflection, that's to say that, like, I was a, I was a big part of our, you know, winning. And when I didn't perform or I didn't have a good game, we lost. And, you know, that all came full circle when I got confirmation from coaches afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, it just all came full circle. Yeah. Um, but again, so when we talk about this 120 effort, it, you know, it goes into my football career because I go all in into everything. And once I decided that football was my path, my way, my vessel, I gave it everything I had. And then some. And, you know, as I went through my football career in university, I always went above and beyond. And that's in reflection that, you know, our coaches gave us the workout sheets. And I would always do the workouts. But I always, I just, I had to do more. I was just like, you know, people were like, Frank, why are you doing more weight? I'm like, I don't know. I just have to. And one thing leads to the next, right? And we're just in these amazing positions where we're just doing what we're doing. And it brings us to these amazing opportunities that we had. You know what I mean? Which all brings us to me trying to find my identity again and stumbling upon 120 and kind of getting into it. Where I was at a point where I was like, okay, Frank, what defined you to become a professional athlete? And I was like, my effort. Okay, how much effort? 120%. And it just came out of me like it flowed out of me. And I'm like, there it is. This is it you're going to commit 120% for the rest of your life to everything you do and do it unapologetically. And if somebody doesn't like it, that's not on you. That's on them. For the rest of your life, you have to do this. And I made a decision that point forward, whatever point that was, that switch that flicked on in my head, that I was going 120 for the rest of my life. And here we are now. I'm in February, you know, about to go into March. I felt like this year has flown by. It's been the most beautiful January, February. Not to say that the rest of the year isn't going to be tough. I don't know what's to come. But I just know that if I continue to give 120% effort in everything I do, I will be satisfied with whatever the outcome is. And 120% effort means in my workouts, in my work at the keg, when I'm training people, when I'm doing anything, I do my best at 120%. And that includes, and I need to be very clear, that includes rest. A big part of what it is in, in the life of hard workers like us is that we don't know how to stop. 
we just keep going and going. What I realized is that I would go, 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 break down. Yeah. Go, 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 break down. And those breakdown periods would get longer and longer. And I didn't realize until I reflected on it that my last breakdown period was a whole year, 14 months. Yeah, I broke down for about a year and, you know, a year and a couple months. And you have to have strength in looking at it as a lesson. Okay, Frank, you broke down, but you've been going hard. Okay, so it's okay to go hard, but it's also okay to rest. So what I do is, and this is a tip for you guys listening, is that I allow myself to be okay when I rest. I My Sunday, I have a schedule and I, you know, I do my best to stay on schedule as much as I can. My Sunday, I clear the schedule. That's Frank's day. You know what happens a lot on Sundays? Just chill. Chill. <clears throat> football. Football Sundays, man. There's a lot of football going on, so I get to chill. I don't work. I don't do nothing. I play video games. I play Madden. If you want to get that work in Madden, anybody listening, come see me. All right? <laughs> I watch a lot of football, and now it, it opens that door for Family time. I get to spend time with family. There's a lot of stuff you can do when you give yourself yeah. time to we rest. You get to recharge, right? Recharge. You need that. Yes. And we all need to recharge. And I feel like we're all in a position where we want to work hard, which is great. It's great to work hard, but it's also great to rest. So when I say 120, it doesn't mean I'm going with my top off crazy yeah. every single day my entire life. It's that I go 120 as much as I can. And when I need rest, and I'm very self-aware that it's time to rest, I'll take a step back. Yeah. I have no shame in that. But I rest on 120. So that means, like, even though I, on the Sunday at the end of the day when, like, I'm getting restless and I'm like, okay, Frank, you've been hanging out all day. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, no, Frank, you deserve to rest because, you know, for damn sure, Monday to Saturday, you're going in. Yeah. But here's the thing. We're human. And it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond. So somewhere in the week, every once in a while, I feel low energy and I'm tired. And I'm like, okay, I have these meetings, ABC. Okay. Hey, whoever I'm meeting with, just so you know, I'm not feeling up to par. I'm just a little tired today. Can we reschedule or, you know, let's make this work. And when you're just honest with people and you let them know what the situation is, like, look, I'd love to see you right now, but you're not going to get 120 out of me if I'm not well rested. And this is where I'll share with people that in the world of mental health, you deserve to give your best foot forward. And to do that, you need to protect your energy. And that means if somebody's not good for you, you can't be around that person. Not that you don't want to be, but like you got to protect your energy. If something isn't good for you, like food-wise or whatever it is, you have to be able to let that go. And you will find strength in letting go. You will find strength in creating boundaries. You will find strength in doing things that are good for you. And I feel like a lot of people, which is a good thing, what I'm about to say, a lot of people, most people want to help others. But at the end of the day, who's the number one person you're going to spend your time with? Yourself. Yeah. So I know that the number one person that needs to be taken care of in my life is me. And if that means letting somebody know that I can't go out on a date with them tonight or that I can't hang out with them or that I can't do this or I can't do that, tough. I got to take care of me because at the end of the day, you don't understand that. If you don't understand that for me to be able to have a great shift tonight at the keg or for me to be able to have a great session when I'm training or for me to be able to do this or that at 120%, I have to be at peace.
my peace is very valuable to me. And if you compromise my peace, it's not a threat. It's just that, like, I got to protect my peace. I spent a lot of time giving a piece of myself to everybody. And that's not bragging. That's just the fact that I'm a selfless person and I do my best to help you as much as I can. But the first person I need to help is myself. And then I'll take care of you after I'm well taken care of. Yeah. How can you pour from an empty cup, right? Exactly. Yeah. You hear that all the time. I was just going to say that. <laughs> You can't pour from an empty cup. And I'm in a position now where not that it's eternally overflowing, but I'm in a position where I, you know, I know how Frank needs to recharge. So whenever I am feeling low, okay, Frank, you're feeling low. Did you brush teeth, watch fade, da, 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 yeah. Okay. Did you play some video games? Have you played some video games lately? No. Okay. Do you have the time? Yeah. Okay. Pop on some video games. Play some video games. Or uh, did you connect with your family? No. Okay. Try that. Reach out to your friends and family. Hey, so-and-so, are you okay? What's going on? How's your day? Da-da-da, a little conversation. And you'll find that after that five-minute conversation, it's like, ooh, all right, okay, we're here. I'm feeling it. And then you go about your day. Or this one day recently where I had a low-energy day, it was like, uh, pretty sure it was like January 9th. And I weirdly remember like these days, but <laughs> um, I had a low-energy day. But I checked myself. I'm like, Frank, you've been moseying around the couch. Go make some connections. And... You're allowed to do this. So I grabbed my PlayStation 4. I went to the university and I hung out with the football players. We played some some video games. Felt good. But then at the same time, I was like, okay, like you're good. Go home. Da, da, da. And I was like, okay, Frank, have you worked out today? Oh, no, I didn't work out today. So I hit up my brother. I said, Damien, would you like to go to the gym? Sure. We went to the gym, worked out for an hour and a half. Oh, there it is. There's the energy back. Okay, we're good. And I don't really remember what I did for the rest of the night at that point. But okay. Now I know like I have a list of things I can do to get my energy back. And if I exhaust the list and I'm still not feeling up to par, okay, now we need to re really reach out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, you know, we we've been developing these tools to kind of like help help out and like I'm working on tools to help myself out and I feel like it's really important that we all do that when it comes to mental health. We all need to find ways to take care of ourselves. And not to say we can't be dependent on other people to help out, but we have to be most importantly understanding that you got to be there for yourself. Absolutely. Your mental health is your responsibility. You need to reach out. You need to let me, people know. You need to communicate. As men, we don't do a great job, but as a man, you need to understand that you need to humble yourself. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay. It's hard, but it's okay. And you're going to be better for it. You know what I mean? Alrighty. So we took a quick, quick little break. But we're going to go, um, excuse me. <clears throat> we're going to tie it. We're going to talk about, um, Frank's going to talk a little bit about um, mental health and mental illness and how it differs to him and what that means to him. So take it away. Yeah. So this is, this. oh, sorry. This yeah. is my perspective based on the, the things that I've been through and what I've seen and what I've learned and a big a big issue that we need to talk about is the differentiation between mental illness and mental health. Everybody has mental health issues, just like everybody has physical health issues. We all in some way, shape or form deal with some kind of level of mental health issue. Mental health, everybody has. Like your health and wellness. Yeah. Um, Mental illness is something that we get diagnosed with. Just like 
you get diagnosed with a cold or, you know, the coronavirus is very popular right now to talk about, you know, it's like it's a diagnosis. And so I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which you get diagnosed with when you have been diagnosed with depression. And then you've also experienced episodes of mania. So depression is when you're very low and sad and you're just in a very dark place. Mania is when you have very high energy levels and you act out of your norm. You're, you're overexcited. You're, you're doing things that are not normal to who you are. And so I displayed symptoms of both depression and mania. And that's where we came to the diagnosis. <coughs> that's where we came to the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Now, I'm okay with having the diagnosis because I don't define myself by it. I did define myself by it for a long time because when I lost that identity as a football player, I had to identify myself with something. Mm -hmm. I needed to be something. I became Frank the bipolar man. You know what I mean? And I beat myself up for it for the longest time because I was like, I don't have anything. This is who I am. I'm a miserable person forever you know i'm miserable and once i understood that like i'm not just my diagnosis matter of fact i'm barely my diagnosis at all it's just a small fraction of who i am it started to empower me to realize that i am more than that just like i'm more than just an athlete i'm more than just a football player i'm an entrepreneur i'm a philanthropist i'm a motivational speaker i'm a mentor I'm a coach, I'm a friend, I'm a brother, I'd love to be a father someday, I'd love to be a husband someday. I'm all of these things that make me Frank Reno. So I really encourage you guys who have been diagnosed with anxiety, depression, post-traumatic disorder, people who have been diagnosed as anorexic, bulimic, and the list goes on. That is not everything that you are. And I, I am... I need to encourage you to understand that you are not that. You are more than that. You are everything you do every day. I am somebody who is passionate. I am somebody who loves to serve. I'm somebody who loves what he does every day. And I live in that love so powerfully. It's so much fun for me. It's very difficult for me because the stigma on mental health right now has everybody saying that, Frank, you're bipolar, so you're too happy. Or Frank, you're bipolar, you're too sad right now. Like, no, no, no. I'm just on that continuum that everybody else is on. I'm okay. And not to say that I don't want you to check in, but if I tell you I'm okay, I would like you to respect that I'm okay. And... Again, it's a very slippery slope because for me to say that, it's for me to say that if you reach out to a friend and you ask them if they're okay, they're going to say they're okay and you got to leave them alone. It's very slippery slope. And so with that being said, I'll share with you a few things, a few tips, a few ways to really not perfectly identify, but really find out what's going on or have an idea of what's going on with people that deal with depression. And for somebody who's dealing with depression right now, if this resonates with you, I would like to empower you to share 
what you're going through with somebody close to you because that's going to help you get through this. Definitely. Absolutely. People who are dealing with depression tend to often pull out of everything they're doing. Yeah. Everything. They were working out. They were hanging out with friends. They were going to school. They were doing a lot of things. All of a sudden, they're gone. Where did they go? What happened? They disappeared. They're, they're, they're taking care of themselves. They're, they're pulling back. They're very sad. And sometimes they don't know why. Most times they don't know why. They feel how they feel. But they do know that they need to retreat, recover, and be alone for a little bit. It's okay to be alone. But what's very powerful is when somebody recognizes that and goes up to them. And here's the thing. When you're in that depressed stage or in depression mode, again, another tip for these people. When you look at them, you see them not there. And when you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're talking to somebody and they're not there, they're behind the curtain. I talk about like what I describe it as I was in the cave. I was in the cave in the back of my mind, in the back corner of the back of the woods by myself in the dark. And it took a lot for me to crawl out of that cave and to eventually make it to the front and be present and be here and live my life. And, you know, so you'll see it. You'll see that spark in the people's eyes that that light is gone. And when you see that in somebody, you need to get their attention like, hey, hey, you know, Mark. Rosie, Joe, whatever, like, I'm here, you know, and you need to find a way to bring their attention to the present moment because depression typically means that you're living in the past. So living in the past means that you're not here, you're not present, you're not in this moment, you're back in the cave, thinking about what you didn't do right, or what didn't go right, or what happened years ago, or how somebody passed away, or how you lost a friend, or how your dog is sick, or all these things, and you're not in this present moment, you know, and as a friend, you have to be able to recognize that, and understand that that's where they're at, and you need to bring them back to the present moment, like, hey, so-and-so, it's Thursday, February 27th, we're right here, I'm talking to you, are you okay? I see that you're not there. You know, can I help you with anything? You want to hang out, go for a walk, just talk. Sometimes, you know, they don't even want to talk. Sometimes it's just, do you want to just hang out? We can sit in the same room. Can I just be company for you? Can I just hang out with you for a little bit? Do you mind if I just support you? I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you're going through something. Can I just be there for you? I promise you that'll mean a lot to somebody. For somebody else, because like all I need, and, and again, I'm not begging for attention, but all I needed in that moment was somebody to say, Frank, like, are you okay? Because for the majority of 2019, believe it or not, I was alone. I'd go to work, I'd go home, I was alone. I'd go to work, I'd go home, I was alone. I'd go out, wherever, I'd go home, I was alone. People would ask me, Frank, do you want to go out? No, no, I'm good, I'm going to go home. Frank, you want to come grab? No, I'm good, I'm going to go home. I'm going to be alone. You know what I mean? And so... Because there's not a lot of information on how to kind of deal with these issues a lot. So I'm very thankful for my, you know, my girlfriend at the time. She was very supportive. But at the end of the day, I understand because she didn't really know what to do. You know what I mean? She did her best. She There was days where I didn't get out of bed. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to do anything. And when you're depressed, you don't. You don't want to do anything. You're literally just, you have this disgusting feeling of sadness and you just want it to end. Which brought me to the point where I was suicidal. 
I just wanted that feel. I didn't want to kill myself, but this pain, the sadness I was feeling, I just wanted it to end. I was so sick of it, you know, but I'm very thankful I didn't because, you know, now I get to do the amazing things that I'm going to be doing. You know what I mean? And I'm thankful for that. And again, I'm thankful for my girlfriend at the time because when there was days I didn't get out of bed, she'd make me food and support me and she was always there for me. And, you know, it was important to me. It was important to me to have, to have somebody there and that sometimes I didn't even appreciate what was right in front of me. You know what I mean? That there was somebody there supporting me, you know, and that's what I find a lot of people do. They don't appreciate what's right in front of them. They look elsewhere for happiness when sometimes all you need is right in front of you. You know what I mean? And so for that, I'm very thankful. And I'll share with you that sometimes all it takes for you to do is be to help somebody who's depressed or sad or bipolar, whatever it is. Hey, I'm here for you whenever you're ready. Because you might be ready to listen right now, but they're not ready to speak right now. But now that you've opened the door to them so that they know that you're here and you're ready to listen then they know they can reach out. So at that point, you've empowered them to know that they can reach out, but you have to understand that now you have a responsibility and a duty that when they need you, they're going to call eventually when they're ready. You know what I mean? But again, that's how we have to respect ourselves to and set limits, right? You know, so hey, just so you know, like when you do call me, can you please call me between 5 and 7 p.m.? That creates boundaries. So now you know that 5 to 7 p.m. you're on. But after that, you know, they have to respect your boundaries too. You know what I mean? And it's very powerful because now it creates synchronicity. Okay, so we're synchronized that from five to seven, we're both on. I'm ready to receive. And you know that in that time, you can be ready to deliver. So at that point, that person is preparing for five to seven, right? They know that they have help five to seven. So in a way, they're preparing for five to seven. So there's all these ways that we can go about dealing with mental health and that's being there for each other reaching out you know as a teammate on a football team you see your boy hasn't been going to workouts on time usually check on him but it might be something as simple as hey man my alarm clock broke yeah it doesn't have to be that deep all the time but it's one of those things that if we just start getting used to the idea that like we need to just help each other but not help each other to get anything out of it let me just help you because you need the help sometime and a big thing is that people want to help everybody, but you need to understand that you are of service when you help. Being of service means it's not what do I feel you need, it's what do you really need. Don't tell somebody what they need. Ask them, hey man, what do you need from me? How can I help you? And they'll tell you, I need A, B, C, D. And then you say, okay, this is what I can do for A. I can't do anything for B. I don't know about C. But I can help with A. And at that point, they know they can get A from you. And for B, C, D, they'll start seeking other ways to get B, C, D taken care of. And that's how you build a team around you. So for me in my life, I'm building a team around me. And it's not using people in a malicious way. It's just like, look, like I love you and I support you on your path. Everybody's on their path doing their thing. But I'll reach out to you when I need you for this or that or you know whatever comes up, that kind of thing. And it's, it's very powerful in that way. It's hard right now because there are very few people that do that, that set boundaries, that, you know, connect with people. Because we feel like if we reach out to somebody, we're using them. But like, no, no, no. It's, it's in a way you are using them, but it's okay. It's okay as long as you, you know, understand that there's going to be an exchange for it. You know, 
hey, you know, can you help me with something? And yeah, I'll help you, you know. And and in return, like I'll come to you and I'll get help from you when I need something. You know what I mean? Like there's that that gentle exchange, you know. But it's one of those things that we have to be able to protect our energy too. So don't bend over backwards for somebody. If you can't do something right now, that's okay. You let them know, hey, I can't be there Friday night, but I can be there Saturday. Oh, you can be there Saturday? Okay, let's do Saturday. And that's where, again, we create synchronicity by saying, okay, I can't be there Saturday either. Okay, okay, when can I get to you next? Monday? Okay, Monday work. That's how we scheduled this podcast, right? We were going to do, was it Saturday? Yeah. Saturday, it didn't work out. Oh, Thursday works? Okay, Thursday's cleared up. I'm clear. All right, let's do Thursday. We scheduled for three. Three didn't work out. Or uh, we actually could have started earlier. And it works out for everybody. And we start earlier. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's really, it's allowing the opportunity for anything to happen. And just being open to the idea that everything happens for a reason and you're okay. And that all translates back to mental health. When you stop, you know, being so protected and guarded and you allow yourself to be vulnerable, it's really a good practice because it allows you to be open to any possibility. And therefore, the good and the bad, but understanding that the bad is really the good because you learn from it. You know, no losses, just lessons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that was a lot to take in, but it was great. And I, I was actually going to ask you for like, if you had any tips having gone through things like mm-hmm. for your friends or people around other people, just how to, yeah. how to help, how to support, which you answered all those obviously, but yeah, gotcha. no, that's great. It's incredible. Um, we're at about an hour and a half now. Pretty cool. good episode. Um, I do. There's more we can talk about. Um, uh, Maybe we can do another one sometime. Or? I would love to do another one. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That'd be sick. Um, do you have any advice for? Uh, you did kind of touch on it throughout, but yeah. Which any three things that helped you the most, or things that you think that would be really beneficial to people yeah. going through whatever, whatever they're, going they're going through, through, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, whether it be having a bad day, anything yeah. in general, yeah. how to get through that. Absolutely. So um, one of them is kind of my mantra when it comes to mental health, and it's, you know, love yourself, thank yourself, appreciate yourself, be there for yourself, and forgive yourself every day. Like, I love myself. I do. And it's okay to love yourself. I thank myself for everything I've been through because it's created who I am. I'm always there for myself. I appreciate myself. And I forgive myself for making mistakes because I'm human. Nobody gives you a book on life. Yeah. So how can I be hard on myself for making a mistake, especially if I didn't know? But here's the thing. Now I made a mistake. How can I learn from it so I don't make that mistake again? But hey, if I make the mistake again, I didn't learn enough. So I'm going to keep learning. You know, I always say you... You never, you will continue to go through the same lesson until you learn from it. Life will do that. It's, life has a funny way of doing that. You know what I mean? Um, and so the second thing I'll say is be kind to yourself. Be gentle. Like, you're only human. You're not Superman. You're not indestructible. You're not Wolverine. You can't heal in seconds. But as long as you allow yourself the possibility to heal. So, you know, when you're at the doctors or when you're anywhere and they say, hey, this will help you. If you feel that it's the best for you, you do that. You have to protect your energy too, right? Yeah. So if somebody prescribes a medication to you that doesn't make you feel good, Advil, whatever the case is, you know, if it doesn't make you feel good, protect your energy. But at the same time, you got to take care of yourself, right? So there's there's ways. Um, and I'd say the third tip is probably just, this is what I, li- I live by. Like, life's a party. Wait for you to think about it. 
Life's a party and it's a blessing. What are the odds? What are the odds for real that you and I are sitting at this table right now? For you to be born and for me to be born and for all of the things we could have possibly gone through, all the variables to get to this moment right now. What are the odds? One in, a, one in three billion that you're, that you're even conceived and then yeah. to be, have a healthy, you know, a healthy uh, birth and then to go through everything you went through, you know, one decision led to the other that, you know, had you've made this choice or had somebody made this choice, there could have been a car crash. In the, like, do you understand how, how precious this moment is? Yeah. So like, it's a blessing. Every moment is a blessing. Every moment is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Right, (laughs) you know what I mean and so I really try to live by that and I allow myself to be open to the idea that every moment's a party so especially I do this when I'm at the keg when I serve tables I'm like welcome to the party and that immediately opens the door for the idea that we're just hanging out having a good time and we joke around and have fun with my guests and like for anybody listening like quit being so hard on yourself you only get one chance at this one so why are you going to be so hard on yourself? You Isn't it crazy? You get one chance to live this life and they don't give you a book on it. Yeah. <laughs> like what? There's no instructions for this? You get instructions on how to build a desk. You know what I mean? And you build it to perfection. Some people don't because they don't follow the instructions. But hey, if you follow the instructions, you get perfection, you know, to the best of your ability. But you get one life. It's very precious. And nobody gives you a book on how to live it. So stop judging each other. Just appreciate each other in your beauty that is who you are because that's who you are. There was a moment in time in my depression that I was watching a lot of videos on, um, it was like a YouTube channel and uh, I made this connection. I was like, look at all these beautiful people and they are authentic. They're just who they are. And I was like, wow, they don't judge themselves for being who they are. Like I saw, you know, people with tattoos everywhere, people with piercings everywhere, people wearing weird combinations of clothing, people doing this, people doing that, but they were just being themselves. And I'm like, Frank, like, stop being so hard on yourself. You're an individual. Be yourself. And then, you know? Yeah. So, life's a party. Just Let's just have more fun. Have fun at the gym. Dance. I, I dance at the gym. I'm working out and like I'm dancing. I'm singing. Like I'm having a blast. It's a party. I love working out because I get to pump the muscles up. I get jacked. I'm stronger. That way I get to, you know, play football and do these things I love to do. Life's a party, man. So like just be easy on yourself. Have fun. It's okay. You're going to have rough days, but they're not the worst days. They're not the last days. They're just a day. In the grand scheme of things, there's. You know, you're going to live, let's say, 70 to 80 years for most people. I'm planning on living till 120, you know. <laughs> but to say that is to say, you know, if I'm going to live until 120, that means my entire lifetime, I have about, what is it? What's the number? So 7,014. So I got about 128,000 days on this planet. Something I like don't that. know math, so I'm not Yeah, quick math. You don't know. But, like, I have a lot of days on this planet. 128,000 days. So if I'm going to have about 120,000 days, one bad day is like very insignificant. Yeah, not that much. We need to understand that and realize that we can't let that worst day be everything. Don't live in it. Don't live in your rut. Don't live in that shitty day. It's going to be okay. But if that rut is a couple days, that's okay. If that rut's a week, it's okay. If it's a year, it's okay. 
it's going to be okay. Eventually, as long as you have faith that you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. It takes time. Healing takes time. But hey, it, it happens faster when you ask for help. Yeah, I can guarantee that. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I really I'm here appreciate for it. it. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of this episode. I'm for here sure. for it. Yeah, it's a blessing. I'm just thankful. Again, you know, I'll kind of leave with this. I could be dead right now. Yeah. You know. I could be dead, and I'm not. So I'm very thankful that I'm here. I'm blessed to be here. So I might as well go get everything I've ever dreamed of. Beautiful. Uh, where where can people find you online? Yeah, so I um, right now I primarily work off of Instagram. So at Frankie Renault. So F R A N K, E Y, R E N A U D, cool. and that's my primary source of information right now. Um, other than that, I'm going to eventually branch out into a YouTube channel. We're working on a lot of stuff, and uh, just stay tuned for more to hear a lot more about this 120 movement and everything else that I'm doing in life. I'm really enjoying the process and I'm having fun. Um, for anybody who's hearing this, if you ever have any questions, you're more than welcome to reach out to me and hit me up and DM me and share your stories and we can definitely talk. And I encourage you to just reach out. It's okay. I'm here for it and I'll help as much as I can. And we'll help each other point each other in the right directions to get to where we need to get to. Because at the end of the day, on this planet, for real, we're all one team. And we're here to help each other grow as much as we can. And if I can't help you, I'll help you find somebody who can. I'm always here for it. Awesome. Thank cool. you so much. My pleasure. Alrighty.